U.S. men's national team, but Jurgen Klinsmann's side is ready with the amount of depth that the team has. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. As always with me is Ivan Skolarsev. How you doing, man? I'm pretty well, man. It's uh, really late yet again. It's uh, 2 a.m. I'm uh, finished packing, and uh, I'll be leaving in a few hours to the airport, heading down to San Jose, Costa Rica. Yeah, you know, it's your fault we're doing the show late this time, so uh, you know, I mean, yeah, you, you, yeah. Can't, you can't get mad at me for this one, Ivan. It is my fault. It's your... Uh, the 58 youth games that you had to watch this weekend that burned you out. I oh think. my gosh, man! It was it's it was hot in LA, man. It was like 100 100 degrees. Like I, I brought like a jacket out, hoping that was gonna be like the crisp, cool weather, you know. But it wasn't, man. It wasn't, man. Actually, it'll probably be hot in Costa Rica for you too. It'll be warm. It'll be warm. But you know, I've been there. I've been. This will be, I think, my fourth time down there, and uh, it's not unbearably hot. I mean, Honduras. I feel like it's been hotter when when we've you know made the trip down there. Uh, this time around, it won't be super, super hot, but it'll be the humidity, I'm sure, will be uh, in full tilt. Well, there's tons to talk about on this show. I mean, obviously, with the U.S. men's national team, we need to talk about the transfer window closing in Europe. Lots of moves with that. Some MLS guys are part of that. And we need to recap MLS Week 27. Before we get into all of that, though, U.S. men's national team, as I said, the injury bug is back. However, though, I don't think many people are hitting the panic button due to the amount of depth that the team has and the replacements that can fit in there. In case anyone's been living under a rock or in a cave, Josie Altidore is injured right now. Brad Evans is injured and has been replaced. But, Ivis, when you look at the injuries and, and you look at the depth the U.S. men's national team has, how do you, how do you assess these and, and how impactful is it going to be when they take on Costa Rica on Friday? Well, I think obviously Josie Altidore is a big loss. Assuming he can't play, uh, I think he still has to get checked out, and uh, hopefully, it, hopefully the the hamstring injury maybe is something he can get through, and and, and if anything, play in the second game against Mexico. But uh, it is it is interesting because of the options that you have in the attack. Uh, when you just start thinking about the possibilities, you, you you're going to miss Josie Altidore just because he's been on fire for the U.S all summer long, uh, and, and that won't be easy to replace, but there are intriguing options when you think about uh, Landon Donovan playing well now. You can play him up top with Clint Dempsey. Uh, you have Eddie Johnson, who I know you know people still talk about that Bosnia game and how poorly he played there, but he had a good goal cup. He's scoring goals uh, on, the, on the club level, so he's an option. And then I think the people's choice option is Aaron Johansson, who, you know, with his cameo against Bosnia looking so good and scoring goals at Azed, he seems like he's a great option. I, I I think he is a good option. I'm not sure if I start him just yet, but he's somebody that your inclusion is going to have to consider. Well, I was in the Bosnia game. I mean, Eddie Johnson in the first half was deployed, you know, mostly as a left mid, but but he moved up and, and you know went to that striker role. He did score the goal, but you know I think a lot of credit goes to Josie Altidore on that one. And I and I can't remember off the top of my head who kicked the ball. If I believe it was uh, Michael Bradley that kicked the ball up there. But Freddie Johnson, though, when you look at the roster, though, could we see Jurgen maybe move away from the four-two-three-one that we've seen recently and maybe have to go with two forwards up top, or or do you think he keeps kind of the same formation and puts someone up there to, to supplement what Josie Altidore is able to do? 
Well, I think it's going to, honestly, I think it's semantics. I mean, whether it's 4 2 3 1 or 4 4 2, you're going to have Clint Dempsey be there, right? I mean, he's going to either be a little more withdrawn or a little more advanced. I mean, I personally think he'll be more withdrawn against Costa Rica, where you're going to have a little bit more of a defensive approach. Not to say they're going to bunker, but I, I think you want to have the bodies in the middle to clutter things up. I think Costa Rica is going to attack more than they obviously did in the in the Gold Cup. As we remember, they bunkered quite a bit. But when you're at home, you know, being Costa Rica, I think they're going to have to attack. Um, so uh, the question becomes, who do you partner with MC? And any of the three options that I mentioned, I think would be a good one. I think I think they can all work uh, in their own regards. I think Eddie Johnson, from a physicality standpoint, gives you gives you some good qualities. I think Landon Donovan, with the speed that he provides. And his combination play, I think he and his experience, I think he's a great option. And then you have Aaron Johansson, who I think still is a bit more of a bench guy uh, off the bench. You know, he gives you that change of pace, uh, that unique, the unique type of player that he is. I I, I know people want to start him. They, it's the new guy. You want to start him. He's quality. He's got great skills. I agree. He's got great skills. It's a possibility. But I just think when you're talking about a qualifier as important as this one, you want to go with experience. And Eddie Johnson, Landon Donovan, two of the all-time leading scorers in World Cup qualifying for the U.S. And I think you want to have those guys with their experience and with their familiarity with Clint Dempsey. Uh, that's why I think one of those guys is going to get the nod. Shocking that people are making calls for a young player to get a start. Oh, without a doubt. Always happens. <laughs> if, you're, if, you're, if you're young and you don't have many caps, yeah. you're, you're gold. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're, you're the next up-and-coming thing. Josie Altador isn't the only injury. Brad Evans, uh, playing right back for the U.S. Men's National Team, is injured. He's out. He's no longer on the roster. Michael Parker says brought in. This is going to be interesting because we've always had this discussion of whether or not Brad Evans is going to be there for the World Cup. Well, this now gives an opportunity for us to see something different. We could see Jeff Cameron possibly playing right back. He's been playing right back uh, for Stoke City in the Premier League. Or we could see Michael Parkers, who was playing right back in the Gold Cup uh, for the U.S. men's national team on Friday against Costa Rica. Who do you think is going to get the nod and, and who do you think provides uh, the, the better play coming out of the back? Well, I think it's pretty obvious that Jeff Cameron has to get the nod, you know, uh, number one, he's playing regularly. He's getting minutes at Stoke City, where Michael Parker just isn't getting minutes right now. Uh, and secondly, he, Jeff Cameron's played against these same teams in qualifying. He, in March, he started at right back against Mexico and Costa Rica and helped uh, the U.S. Uh, post the shutouts. So he's gotten the job done against these same teams before. And there's no reason to think he can't come in there and do the job again. Obviously, he won't give you the same qualities getting forward. Uh, that maybe some other uh, right-back options can give you. But defensively, he's solid. Uh, he's just athletically, just with his his size and his, his quickness, his impressive uh, quickness for his size, uh, I think he's a, he's a real uh, handful for, for the, uh, the attackers that the U.S. is going to face. Michael Parker, again, he looked good in the Gold Cup, but he's just not playing right now. So, you know, if you had to put him in, you know, if something happened to Cameron, you had to stick him in there, then yes. You probably use them, but I, don't, I just don't see him starting. Here's a wild card for you. Michael Orozco, could he play right back? I mean, we kind of saw him in the Gold Cup kind of get up the field a little bit maybe. And we we saw times inside the box where he looked a little bit dangerous on the offensive side. I, I mean, just, just as a wild card name, Ivis, because I've heard it out there, and, and I think it could be intriguing. Is there any chance we could see him at all? Uh No. I don't see it. I don't not in the, not in these games. Um, I mean, if if there was a, a situation where you had multiple guys get injured, or maybe Parker doesn't look good in practice, and then Jeff Cameron uh, gets injured or something like that, maybe then you'd have to go that route. 
uh, and, and Orozco, I think, could probably handle himself. But, you know, long-term, I don't know if I see Orozco really being a right-back option uh, on the international level. Well, we can talk more about the U.S. men's national team later this week as we will have a preview show for the game on Friday. If anyone wants extended information uh, before we do our next show, everyone can go to soccerbyivis.net. Ivis will be down, as we said, in Costa Rica. He'll have a first-hand account of everything going on down there. Plus, there's other excellent writers who write for the site, and they will have information. The biggest news on Labor Day was the transfer window. Gareth Bell, look, it's it's been talked about for months on end, maybe a year, but it's finally official. He has joined Real Madrid in the highest transfer uh, of all time. Ivis, what does this move mean for him? Mean for Real Madrid? Mean for the Premier League? I mean, what does it mean for for soccer? On on, I mean, it affects things on multiple levels. So when you wrap it up, I mean, what does it mean for everything? Well, from well, it's I find it interesting. You mentioned the Premier League. What does it mean for the Premier League? Not a lot, really. I mean, the Premier League makes big. Uh, there's big transfers every year in the Premier League. So I don't think it means that much, um, but it does mean something for Tottenham. And and I'd say they've done an outstanding job this transfer window, uh, parlaying that that revenue uh, from this sale uh, to to buying a boatload of quality players. Uh, when you look at the list of, of players they've added, uh, Soldado, uh, Paulinho, Christian Eriksen, uh, they, they they've added several players. Uh, to make themselves stronger, and obviously they, they, you know, when you talk about getting rid of Bale, uh, getting rid of uh, Clint Dempsey, obviously who's now in Seattle, uh, you, you wonder what they had in mind. But Daniel Levy's a shrewd businessman, and and he's added some real quality to, that, to their team, and they're they're clear a clear cut uh, threat right now for a top four place, which is impressive considering what they've given up now, given up Gareth Bale, the guy who really carried them last year. Uh, what does it mean for? La Liga, I'd say Real Madrid now when you talk about Cristiano Ronaldo and Bale together working opposite sides of the attack, that's scary just to think about the the, the power and pace on both sides and both their abilities to to score uh to score goals and really create their own chances. Uh it's it's they're going to just be so tough to defend. Um you know, it's interesting when you think about the fact that yes, they the Real Madrid parted ways with Mezzarozzo Part of ways with uh, Kaká, who obviously never quite got settled in there. Uh, but I think I think I don't think they're going to miss a beat. I think they're going to be even more dangerous now. Yeah, wait, wait, wait. Okay, <laughs> you you went over that really quickly. Arsenal spending money. What is going on? Well, they 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 pretty much <laughs> had to do something, right? They had they had too much money and not and nothing to show for it. And they went out and got Mesut Ozil, and I know Arsenal fans are in heaven right now, yeah. right? And, and and they have a reason to be. Listen, for me, Mesut Ozil is one of the best playmakers in the world, without a doubt. But you know, the big question mark obviously is: is that what Arsenal really needed? And what I would say is, you know, when you can bring in a world class player, a top level elite player, you do it, right? Obviously, they had. Uh, more pressing, more, more pressing needs. Clearly, forward. They needed a forward. They tried to get a forward. They tried to get Luis Suarez. They threw, they threw everything but the kitchen sink at Liverpool to get Luis Suarez, and it didn't work out. Uh, they were linked to to other players from Gonzalo Higuain to to Wayne Rooney. None of them came off, and it, clearly, this is kind of a plan B. But you know what? I, I, I'd say people need to look at that. Look at it as a, from a long term standpoint. When you can add a player like. Ozil, Mesut Ozil, as young as he is, too, because, I mean, I think he's 23. I could be mistaken. He might be even younger. But as skilled as he is, I mean, he, I just think he'll be able to elevate the play of everyone on that team. Uh, he, he, man, when you talk about Mesut Ozil, he is the type of player that can really elevate the 
play everyone on the team. And uh, he is he, he ultimately it was he the kind of was he the position exact position they needed? No, but when you talk about a big picture stamp, he is just too good a player to pass up. As we've seen it in the past, uh, you know, when a team goes for needs, sometimes it doesn't work out. But when you have a player of his quality, I mean, you find a spot for him on the team. Speaking of players that have quality, we've it's been discussed for a while with Everton and if he's going to move uh, Fellaini, whether or not he was going to move and, and where he's going to move. Finally, he's made the move to Manchester United, going to a bigger club, joining with his for- former manager. I mean, do you see this as a good move for him in United? Uh, they had to do something, right? Uh, to add, add uh, some depth in their midfield, uh, Paul Scholes' retirement, uh, you, you wanted to, you wanted to add a boost there, and they clearly have the money to spend. Uh, was, was it the type of window that that you, you you've come to expect from Man United? No, not really. But I think Fellaini is a is a, a talented player, someone who can help them, and obviously at Everton he was one who really carried a lot of the load. Now he goes to Manchester United, and he can he can fill a role there and be a bit more of a uh, kind of that midfield engine two-way guy who can who can you know put it put in some tackles but also provide that attacking threat in the middle that goal scoring threat from the midfield is he a, is he a you know can't miss uh player for them I, I don't know if i go that far but i think he, he's a quality signing obviously they went after some other uh, other players uh a little bit more of attack-minded midfielder types when you talk about Cesc Fabregas and, and Thiago Alcantara, I mean, they, they went after both those players, and, and Fellini is not uh, the kind of player that they are, but that doesn't mean he can't help uh, help them out, uh, help fill a need there. Uh, but, you know, for, from an overall window standpoint, it, you have to feel it was a little bit little bit of a disappointing window. Well, you said transfer bringing it close to home. Kai Kamara, the Sporting Kansas City forward, everyone knows who he is. Uh, he's heading back over to England, but not with the same club as last time. This time, he's joining Middlesbrough. It's a championship league side. I mean, I'm assuming they have to have a Chipotle in that city for him to want to go there, right? <laughs> he's gonna, I, don't, I don't know, man. I think he might have to change it up and uh, uh, join the Nando's Army, uh, for those who are unfamiliar with uh, the Nando's chicken that uh, is a big hit over in England. Well, for him, I mean, do, do you see this as a good move moving there? I mean, do you think it was more beneficial to, for him to stay in, in Kansas City? I mean, what, what do you think of this? Oh, you go to England, you go to England, right? I mean, why why stick around? I mean, if you're Kai Kamara, you can go over. I can guarantee you right now, day one at Middlesbrough, he's going to be making probably four or five times more than he ever made in MLS. So that, that, that number one, from a financial standpoint, that's, that, that, that's a big uh, bonus for him. And number two, just playing over in Europe. And just being in that in that window and, and having the opportunity to play uh, at a good level there, I think it's a good move for him without a doubt. I mean, I, I, I you know, would it have been nice if he never if he had stayed uh, with Norwich City from uh, from that loan deal and not had to come back? I think that would have been ideal. But you know what, this, this isn't a bad move by any uh, any means for him and for Sporting Kansas City. They're so stacked at the forward position that you know, as good a player as he is, uh, they are going to miss him on some level, but they're, they have the depth to deal with it. Um, you know, when you talk about the guys that they have, Claudia Beeler, uh, CJ Sapong, Suni Saad, who's really come into his own there, Dom Dwyer, who's come back strong from his loan mm-hmm. spell at Orlando City. So they've got they've got players to, help, to, to cover, uh, you know, so I think they'll be all right. And two Americans who did not move, Juan Agadello and Maurice Sadu, 
Uh, you know, Agadell staying with New England Revolution, uh, you know, with them and their playoff push. I mean, all Revolution fans had to be extremely happy about, uh, you know, that he's going to be there to help him out throughout the rest, even though he's going to join uh, after the end of the season. But Marisa Du, that's an interesting one, Ivis, because, you know, he's not in the mix right now. He was loaned out last year. and I mean, he's going to have to fight for a role uh, for Stoke. I mean, what do you think is going to happen with him? And, and, and is, he, is he really going to break through and, and find some playing time? I'll tell you what, that one was a head-scratcher, without a doubt. I mean, I think, I think everyone thought Adu was going to make a move, and, and I had heard, obviously, of interest from, from Turkey and from France uh, in him moving. And you know, for, he's made the decision. He wants to stay there, and he wants to fight for his place, and, and there has to be some uh, reason for him to have that, that belief. I mean, uh, you know, obviously, players have their own self-confidence and their own, confidence in their own ability, but there must be something there that's telling him, you know what, I can earn minutes here. Mark Hughes will give me the chance if I if I you know put in the work. So for his sake, you, you know you have to hope he can do that. He can get in there and get some playing time because if he doesn't, all of a sudden that just closes the window that much more on his chances for the World Cup. And you know he still has January. Things don't pan out. He could make just it could make a January move uh, to another team and get some steady playing time heading into you know early 2014. But it's a real gamble on his part, especially when you talk about the depth that the U.S. national team is starting to show. Yeah, you know, I was looking up Stoke's stats the other day, and I noticed that he has been playing. He's been playing mostly at, like, a, I think it's U21 side game. So not the same as playing in the Premier League, but, you know, hopefully when, when as Stoke, you know, starts going into League Cup games and FA Cup games, I mean, hopefully playing time can open up for him because if, if it doesn't, Ivis, like you said, I mean, that January, he's going to have to make a move in January. Oh, without a doubt. He's going to have to do something. And I'd say even Brechet. Brechet's a player who, you know, I thought maybe you, when you want to talk about alone, I mean, I know he's just been there. This is going to be his first full season there. But, you know, he needs to, if he doesn't get playing time, I mean, he's really putting himself in jeopardy, especially when you think about the, the, the pool, the player pool, right? The U.S. player pool, other players who've made the most of their opportunities, Alejandro Bedoya has absolutely mm-hmm. skyrocketed past Brechet in the overall pecking order. Now he's in France, he's in Ligue 1, he's playing for not, getting minutes, uh, you know, earning call-ups and earning starts. He He's on fire right now. And if you're Brechet, you know, you better impress Mar- uh, Mark Hughes. You better find a way to get on that field because uh, the clock's ticking. Well, Ivis, bringing it back to the American side of soccer, MLS Week 27 was this past weekend. Uh, the New York Red Bulls defeated DC United two to one. Uh, obviously, if you base it off the standings, you should. You were there. You were at the game, and actually, you had some nice pictures on your Instagram account. So everyone should follow Ivis on his Instagram account. You're welcome for that shout out, Ivis. Uh, <laughs> but the biggest news from this game came from the fact that Thierry Henry did not start in this game, and then you know, I, you know, there were some comments that you know, Mike Pecky makes the coach's decisions. Regardless, though, New York gets the win. However, though, Henri not starting does that. What does that mean for, for New York and, and him being there and just everything in general? Well, uh, you know, I don't think this means the end of the road for Terry Henry. I, I mean, obviously, Mike Pecky didn't want to get too into too many details about the decision, but at the end of the day, if this was about the shouting match that they had. And if this is about Mike Mike Pecky kind of asserting his authority, then, you know, you, you have to give him a little credit as a coach. You know, if you, when you're a coach and you have to have control of a locker room, a locker room with, with pretty big egos in it, uh, and you have an opportunity to really kind of plant, put your foot down and say, listen, I am the coach of this team, and I'm going to run it the way I see fit because I am the head coach. 
if he has to bench Tari Henry to kind of send that message, then he does it. And he did it. And and the team responded. The team responded well, and, and they went out there and, and got a victory. And, it, you know, was it the most impressive uh, performance all year? No. But they got the points they needed. And Henri actually came into the match and, and, and played pretty well coming off the bench. So uh, if it was about that, then, you know, you have to like the, the message that Petke's sending, and, and you have to like the way the team responded. If it's not about that, and if it's actually about Henri maybe, you know, being a little tired – uh, picking, carrying a knock, whatever it is. If, if it's not about that, then you know you, you kind of you just look at the 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 result overall, the performance overall. I'm still, a, you know, I know they're tied with uh, Sporting KC in Montreal, atop uh, uh, the East, but I'm still just not convinced. I'm not sold on the Red Bulls. Uh, you do appreciate Tim Cahill and the quality that he brings and the leadership that he gives you. But just as a team, I'm sorry. I'm just not sold on them. Uh, but it's still an important three points for them. Uh, and then you want to see how they respond going into Houston next week on the road where they've been all awful for most of the year. And you want to see how Terry Henry responds. Well, I mean, New York also had a couple, you know, as you said, uh, you know, two players making their starts for the first time in, in a while. So, I mean, things were a little bit shaky for, for New York. And, and you're right. I mean, we've seen this especially with New York all season long where, They'll have a good game, then they'll have a bad game, and then when they have a bad game, they somehow win that game. So, Ivis, it's a logjam right now in the Eastern Conference. Montreal, New York, and Sporting Kansas City, all with 42 points right now. It's, it's man, it's coming down to the wire. Over in the West Coast, Real Salt Lake defeated the Portland Timbers 4-2. to That concludes the, the three-match August set that uh, RSL and uh, Portland had. Uh, but, you know, for Real Salt Lake, Ivis, I mean, look, they're just, they're just cruising right now. And, I mean, at this point... I, I think they're the, they should be the favorites to to win the supporter shield this season. Oh, they look really good uh, for supporter shield, absolutely. And, and the way their bench has has stepped up has been just really outstanding. And when you look at the results that that RSL has gotten against Portland lately, uh, you just have to chalk it up to the benches. And at the end of the day, Real Salt Lake's bench stepped up, and Portland's didn't. Uh, Portland was missing some some key players on the weekend with uh, Will Johnson. And Pam Muduka, uh, their center back, who's, really, who's done really well for them. And, and and those two guys were sorely missed. And then you have someone like Ben Zemanski getting a red card. And, and and then the back line for Portland just having all sorts of problems dealing with Jao Plata. Um, it was a rough one. It was a rough one day for Caleb Porter. But as you said, Real Salt Lake, they're rolling right now. Uh, I don't know if you want to say they're the favorites to win the MLS Cup. I think the Galaxy are the kind of the, the team to beat when you look at it the way they're playing right now. But Salt Lake, with the depth that they've been able to put together and the confidence mm-hmm. that's building in that team, uh, they're they're not going to be a team you want to face uh, when you get to the playoffs. Well, it just and it also goes to show how important it was for Real Salt Lake to pick up someone like Plata earlier this season. I mean, I, I had a chance to watch him firsthand right away with Real Salt Lake at the Desert Diamond Cup, and I mean, I was excited for him. And I, I was, as the season comes on, I, I'm sorry, as the season has been going on. I mean, he has stepped up his play. He's becoming a serious threat in the league just from from a goal-scoring standpoint and also from assisting. I mean, it's funny that, that he's, what, 5-2 and no one can stop him on the field. It's been amazing to watch how he's been able to step his game up over the, since the start of the season. Well, listen, I think Plata against certain teams is going to be more effective than others. I mean, I think when you talk about the, the squad that Portland put out on the weekend – uh, their defense was a little uh, susceptible to to the what he can cause the problems he can cause for you, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, his pace. I mean, they just couldn't deal with it. And I think Pa Muduka, if he was there, he's more athletic. He's a quicker uh, option in the back. I think he would have helped them. I think he absolutely would have helped them deal with Plata. 
Um, but again, against team, if you're a team that you're sent, with with center backs that aren't the quickest, aren't the the best moving laterally, I mean, he can just cause so many problems. I mean, I know Andrew Jabamtis probably had nightmares <laughs> after that game. Uh, just 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 this, the images of Plata <laughs> running by him uh, probably kept him up all night. But you know what? He, he just the bench that they have gives them so many different options because like you said plata can can have that impact against certain teams and then you have Olmes garcia who can oh, give you so a threat against other teams and you have devin sandoval if 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 you know you can bring him off the bench if something's up with saborio and saborio from a physical standpoint he, he can match up well against most teams in the league so hats off to jason christ and uh garth lagerway they the depth that they've built particularly in the attack uh, is absolutely outstanding. I guess uh, this game, also in a Western Conference, we, we kind of expected it. Uh, San Jose Earthquakes missing a couple players. You know, we, we expected LA to get the win. They, they did get the win, 3-0. to zero. Uh, Robbie Keane, the SBI MLS Player of the Week. Everyone can read that on SoccerByAvis.net. Uh, last year, around the same time, Robbie Keane really started to uh, explode. Not, not like explode literally, but explode in, in the scoring goal tally sheet. Uh, I mean, two weeks ago, he scored a hat-trick. Now he has two goals. I, I mean, Ivis, if you're a Galaxy fan in the rest of the league, I mean, you have to be afraid of, of Robbie Keane starting to get hot as the season progresses and, and starts moving into the playoffs. Without a doubt. I mean, they, they look it, – it's really – it's a little bit of deja vu. When you remember last year, first half of the season, they I mean, they were they – were, Compared to this year, last year, last year, L.A. was terrible first half of the season. But in the second half of the season, Robbie Keane was the best player in the league last year. And now here we go. We're getting into August. Now we're into September. He's turning it on again. He's flipping that switch. It's money time, and he's and he's starting to play like that player that you can say is the most dangerous guy in the league. Mm-hmm. He's not alone either. Landon Donovan, obviously, is playing really well. Their partnership is is looking really good. And then you have the rookie, Jossie Zardes. Uh, who's really coming into his own now and and taking advantage of that outstanding play of the of the veterans that you know when, if you're an opposing defense and you have to deal with Donovan Keane on form, playing with confidence, it's hard to deal with them and Zardis. So Zardis is going to have that freedom, uh, and and he's going to have opportunities that he has to take advantage of. And I think he's starting to feel that he's starting to get in that rhythm. How is it, it's just in general, how, how is a team like L.A. able to do this every single year? I mean, is it the presence of Bruce Arena? Is it the veteran leadership on the team? Or is it a combination of both factors? I think it's everything. I mean, I think it, Arena's done it before. He knows what a se- an MLS season's about, right? I mean, he's won multiple titles. He's won multiple teams. He knows what it means and when you need to really turn it on. Uh, and obviously, when you're a veteran team like the L.A. and you've kind of been together for so many years i mean you think about it's been this is going to be like the fourth season for for a lot of the nucleus of this team um you know they 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 know what they know what time of year counts and they know what when they really need to start finding that groove and i think they're finding it i think they're starting to settle in omar gonzalez is playing well now i mean i think he he's so you know they there was a lot of talk about the contract right he made the big money Mm -hmm. signing he made the he's first millionaire uh, true millionaire defender in MLS, and I think actually the contracts uh, looks like it's given him a little peace of mind, and maybe maybe he's gonna play better now. Maybe he's gonna finish the season uh, like the defender of the year type player that he is. So if you have him dominating in the back, and you have Keenan Donovan up top destroying defenses, I mean. You, you have to kind of pencil them in again right now as the favorites. 
I have a Sporting Kansas City ended Colorado's nine-game unbeaten streak on two quality goals. The first one from Benny Philhaber, uh, long-range striker, and then Graham Zuzzi, who's uh, who, who's you know looks like he's fully back from his injury, scoring a goal, starting to heat up. We also had a Edson Buttle sighting in this game. But for Sporting Kansas City to keep pace in the Eastern Conference, this was a big win for them and a, and a big statement win to de- you know defeat the surging Colorado Rapids, where you know everyone's been talking about you know maybe this is a, a team a team to beat. But you know Sporting Kansas City you know might have put some of those questions to bed with with the def- uh, with the victory in this game. No, it was a close game. You know, I, I think KC did well. Um, you know, obviously their results hadn't hadn't been the best last few out- the last few outings for them. Uh, but when you talk about Graham Zusi. Uh, just you know, showing once again why he's one of the best in the league. Uh, you know, you have to feel pretty good if you're Peter Vermees, seeing your key guys step up the way they did, and they had to have that one. I mean, they had to have it. it, it you know, they 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 had dropped some uh, results at home in the past month or so, and and when you look at the Eastern Conference, yes, you know, if they had lost, they they'd still be a playoff team. But you know, they they want this. They want first place in the East. That's absolutely important to them. They want the home field. Uh, and I still think they're the team that's going to get it. I think, you know, nothing against Montreal and New York, but when you look at those three teams, when you say, okay, at their best, who's the best of these teams? Sporting KC, for my money, still the best of those three teams. So I think now uh, you want to see how they deal with these international call-ups, obviously with, with Beasler and Zussi, uh, you know, being absent. You know, how are they going to cope with that? Uh, and then when they when those guys come back, you know, I think they're going to make a run. I think this time of year is going to be when they click. And I think they're uh, when you look at them and when you look at New York and Montreal, I think they're a younger team. I think they're a deeper team. And I think uh, for, for that reason, I think this is going to be the start of a good run for them. I mean, Seattle Sounders defeated the Columbus crew 1-0. Lots to take from this game. Eddie Johnson gets the goal. Then he does a, a, a pay-me celebration. So we can talk a little bit about that. Uh, but the Columbus crew are also with a new manager as uh, Robert Orzia is out as the manager of the Columbus crew. I mean, a disappointing season for them with, with with some of the quality players that they have, especially on the attacking end with Higuain. Uh, but for Seattle, let's talk about that quickly. Eddie Johnson and the move that he made. Uh, you know, Seattle said the right things afterwards, but but... You know, deep down, you know, when, when you look at it from an underground level, I mean, is he going to get paid in Seattle? And, and if he does, is how soon is that going to come? Well, I don't, honestly, it's not really just a Seattle thing, right? It's an MLS thing. MLS is going to have to decide what they want to pay him. Seattle, they're going to have to come together. And I, I don't, is anyone really surprised by this, by by his, you know, show me the money uh, goal <laughs> celebration? I mean, it seems like the in the weeks after the Clint Dempsey signing, uh, I don't know how many times Eddie Johnson retweeted pe- other people's messages saying he needs to get paid. I mean, he's made it clear to anyone who will, anyone who wants to follow him on Twitter, he is not happy with his contract situation. I mean, we know this already. You, you can't you can't be too upset about about the reaction. Right? You're not, I'm not going to knock him. I'm not going to say what it is. But at a certain point, you just got to play. At a certain point, you just got to mm-hmm. play. Let your players do the talking, mm-hmm. and you will get paid, right? I mean, at the end of the day, and I've said it before, he put himself in the situation he's in now, making the money that he's making now. He doesn't have anyone else to blame but himself mm-hmm. for putting himself in that situation because, hey, he didn't do well in Europe. He, he, he didn't, it, didn't, it didn't go well for him there. He had an opportunity to make more money in MLS, and then he turned the league down. And when you turn the league down and then you go away and then you try to come back, guess what? You're going to get less money. So at the end of the day, he has himself to blame 
for making less than he probably should be making for the quality that he brings to the table. And I think that's gotten a little forgotten, especially by him. So, you know, he they wanted to show him the money. And that's what, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't hear enough of this. I don't, I haven't seen that written. I haven't seen that. I haven't just haven't gotten a sense that I, I just feel like people have kind of glossed over that fact. He had the opportunity to make more money before uh, the whole Mexico fiasco of Puebla with the quote unquote fail physical before all that. He had the opportunity to sign with MLS. They gave him a good offer. He turned it down because he felt he had better opportunities in Europe. That didn't work out for him. Bad gamble on his part. So guess what? You know what you do? You got to play this contract. Take the money that, you know, that low salary figure that you ended up having to come back for once, you know, MLS had you dead the rights. And now you have to earn that next contract. And you know what? At the end of the day, if he wants to, you know, whine about it publicly, if he wants to do these public proclamations about pay me my money, I want to get more money. Fine. You can do that all you want. But you just got to keep the production has to be there. That's what matters. Not all this other stuff. And if he wants to do it for himself, you know, if he just has to let that get that off his chest, that's all well and good. But what's going to get you paid is continuing to score goals, continuing to play well for the national team and the Seattle Sounders, and most importantly, to get it done in the playoffs. Because guess what? In Seattle, mm-hmm. what they want more than anything else is production in the playoffs. That's what Freddie Montero didn't give them for how many years, and that's why he's gone. Because I tell you what, if Freddie Montero got it done in the playoffs, he probably he might still be around. And guess what? Now he's in Portugal tearing it up. Uh, so he's doing pretty well for himself. But if you're Eddie Johnson, you know what? Enough. We get it. You're not happy with your contract. Now enough, settle down with that stuff and get the job done in the playoffs. Score the goals in the playoffs. Get the wins in the playoffs. And you know what? If you do that, you absolutely will get paid. Well, for Seattle, the, I mean, we, okay, when you talk about the game, though, Seattle was down to 10 men very early on. Uh, Leo Gonzalez had a red card when he took down the rookie. Ryan Finley started in this game uh, for that one. But, Ivis, for the Seattle Sounders, I mean, very impressive win to be down 10 men for, for 83 minutes of the game and, and, to, and to get the victory. I mean, look if you look at it now, Ivis, Seattle's third in the Western Conference. Amazing to think that a month ago they were out of the playoff race, and boom, just like that, they're third. So, impressive win being down 10 men. Regardless, it, no matter, it doesn't matter who you're playing. Being down 10 men for the majority of the game, if you get the victory, that's impressive. Right. I mean, look, no one should be surprised, right? I mean, they had games in hand for the longest time now. So the whole idea of them being lower in the standings was always a bit misleading because you knew they had the games in hand. You knew they, with the roster that they have, with the talent (laughs) they have, the players they have coming in, they were going to make this run. They were always going to make this run, right? I mean, no one should be surprised by this. So now here they are. Um, you know, they're, they're right there. They're, they're where they're going to be. I mean, I think at the end of the day, I think it's going to be those top three teams. You're going to have Salt Lake, you're going to have LA and you have Seattle. And then the battle is going to be for who finishes after them. And I think Portland's the, for me is going to be the uh, Portland and Colorado that it's, that's going to be the five and, and, and guess who's fallen out of the picture. The team that I said would fall out of the picture when I, you know, I, I don't know how many weeks it was ago when they were in second place in the West. And guess what? Now they're not an, even in the playoff race. Vancouver Whitecaps. They, they really started to fade out of the picture. They're not dead yet, but you know what? I just didn't see it there. And I think it's going to be tough. I think that top five in the West is going to be really tough to crack. And uh, at the end of the day, Vancouver and FC Dallas are going to regret not taking more advantage of the opportunities they had earlier in the year. And as we said before, the Columbus crew have parted ways uh, with their head coach, uh, excuse me, Robert Warzia. Uh, for the crew, you know, I think disappointing season for them. You know, maybe they had the possibility to sneak into the playoffs. I mean, you know, not not get first in, in the Eastern Conference, but still. 
Uh, I mean, they're they're going to be looking for a new new head coach in the offseason. It's a tough one, right? I mean, I did I mean, personally. I, I mean, I didn't think he would be back at, for 2014 anyway. But when you look at it, and you have to ask yourself, okay, they they lost two key starters. They lost two key players to torn ACLs earlier in the season, and Eddie Gavin and and uh, Glauber, right? Two guys that you know anchors for them. Uh, but and but then they apparently they they're, with their salary cap situation, they had no wiggle room to go and uh, add more players, right? And whose fault is that? Is it Orzea's fault? Is it Brian Bliss's fault? Um, you know, at the end of the day, there was some mis- mismanagement there because I mean, even with Eddie Gavin and Glauber, I don't know if they're a playoff team. Uh, I just don't think they did enough this last off season uh to to really catapult themselves ahead of the other teams in the east i mean I, obviously the last year the addition of, of Iguain and arietta those were inspired additions like I, I you know when you talk about the track record the last few years for them that was a very strong move for them but then they didn't follow it up this offseason i just didn't get the sense they did and maybe the the getting Iguain and arietta like put maybe that was just it that's that's as good as it could get for them and that just wasn't going to be enough and you you have to ask yourself you know is it really the coach's fault i mean and now you have a new but the thing at the end of the day you have a new ownership group there he wants he's going to have his vision he's going to want to put his own people in place and now you want to see what he you know how what kind of an impact that new owner can make what kind of money are the is he going to invest is he really going to step it up now and really try to make Columbus a real contender on that front. And uh, I want to see who he hires. I want to see who he brings in because, uh, you know, he might bring in a whole new group. When you talk about a new head coach, a new GM, uh, you know, you bring in a whole new setup there. And and once that's there, uh, you want to see how he takes this team apart because I think this team is is in need of an overhaul. Absolutely. Well, Ivis, that wraps up the show today. We have no Q&A because you need to catch a early flight or late flight. I don't know. Whatever it is for you because I, I know you're awake. It's really late for you. you got to catch a flight to Costa Rica, my man. So uh, unfortunately for everyone listening to the show, no Q&A this time, but we will have a Q&A uh, later in the week, and we also have a, a longer show for the preview for the U.S. men's national team. So, Ivis, man, you have a uh, you have a good flight. Thanks, man. And uh, we'll be down there, and hopefully uh, Internet Connections permitting we'll be able to have our show uh our pre- previewing the game the u.s country qualifier uh, we'll, we'll look to have that on either wednesday or thursday depending on when we can record uh and uh you know we'll be down there sbi will be down there in full force uh myself and also franco panizo will be down there reporting on site in san jose well ivis man you have a good time with franco down there and uh, as we said if anyone's looking for extended u.s men's national team coverage everyone can go to the website soccerbyivis.net uh, Ivis, and as you said, Franco being down there, you guys will have uh, tons of news, tons of information regarding all the injuries, who's going to be playing, who's not going to be playing, and and all that fun stuff. So, Ivis, have a have a good time, and I'll talk to you later this week for our U.S. Men's National Team preview show. Thanks, man. We'll be back on uh, Thursday, and everyone be sure to to check out the next episodes as we uh, try to have uh, have some shows on Thursday, and also wrapping the show up over the weekend, uh, wrapping the uh, the post game recap and uh, then we'll come to you from columbus uh we'll be in columbus for the big usa mexico match so uh, stay tuned for that yes as always everyone thank you so much for the comments reviews and all the listens and plays and, and everything you guys do to give us support we'll be back later this week this is the sbi show